It's Tuesday night, and this is Divots and Pivots. I am Andrew Lidl, That's what I love. Mr. Mallard. Uh, Join me as always, uh, Mr. Chief of Morale himself, Bud Copeland. Bud, how are you this evening before you? So the point being is good golfers are fucking dime a dozen. And we saw it in full swing with the line of demarcation between. Yeah. Are you ready, bud? Are you ready for the players? Are you ready to make money? Are you ready to try to beat me? I didn't do my homework this week. That's right, everybody. It's Tuesday night. This is the Fantasy Sports Corporation, and we are Divots and Pivots. I am Andrew LaDuke, joined, as always, by Bud Copeland at this Buds for you over here to my right, your left, whatever you want to say. Uh, Bud, we're getting ready. This is this is the first full tournament of the year. I know we we, we had the, the century last week, but it's a small field. We're in it. We're diving in full this week. Are you ready? Are you ready to smash the season? I like how you're teeing up this week as if it's a bigger deal than last week. Last week was not a full field, but it was an elite field. It was still better. Uh, it was, yeah. but, but to your point, which is one of the cliches that I'm going to try to get rid of in 2024, one of my resolutions is going to be to stop saying, to your point, because I've it's played out just like first full field event of the of the season is going to be yeah. played out by the end of this week. But uh, I'm pumped, man. It's it, Golf at the beginning of the season over in Hawaii is always fun and entertaining. Uh, not just because the the scenery and then you know the first the first tournament having all the champs from last year and an expanded field to include the top 50 FedEx Cup finishers from last year so they really beefed that up but it was a birdie fest out there and it's kind of fun it's kind of like in other sports where every once in a while I do want to see a 13 to seven you know defensive battle what are we drinking tonight pause oh we got a hinch Irish whiskey tonight on Good the God, lush lush I've got um <laughs> Welch's apple juice on the rocks. Nice. That's a, that's a lot a, of apple juice. I feel like I feel like awesome. Bert Kreishner and his in his Kool-Aid thing. I was just uh, gonna is, comment on the amount of apple juice. It's mostly ice. It's mostly ice because in okay. my uh, Acorn Hills tumbler, I've got a I've got my leftover cold brew from earlier today. But every once in a while, you like a 13 to 7 defensive battle, just like every once in a while, we like a yeah. battle with par. But this early in the year, we, we want to see some fireworks, and we got them last week at the Century, and I know we'll get into that a little bit. Shouts to Chris yeah. Kirk, fellow Bulldog, on getting the win, and his story is a really cool one. We'll talk about that. But I'm excited again for this week because it it's set up to be another birdie fest. You know, Wildlife Country Club is just that. It's a local country club in Honolulu. So uh, they, they definitely trick out the course a little bit for these guys. It was redone in 2018 by Tom Doak. But I'm excited. Like you said, first full field event. And uh, the 2024 season is off and running. Did you catch any of the century last week? I did not this past week. I had just a million hours running around. Yeah, yeah, it was a busy weekend. <laughs> it was a busy weekend, but uh, so no, I did not actually catch any of the coverage, but I was keeping track of uh, kind of the goings on um, and, and obviously did see Chris Kirk come down the stretch and, uh, and, and, and seal the deal. Before we go any further, I would be remiss if I did not pay homage. I did this last week. I fucking did I this know. last week. You pay, you pay homage. You give homages, and I take umbrage with things. But uh, the the, the fish. I know we do. We we when we get him on the show one of these days, uh, we owe him an apology. I'm sure he's heard it before. The oh, fishwives yeah. of Musselburg. When I say the fishwives of Musselburg. Do you think I'm making something up? Uh, yeah, it sounds like one of your uh, buddhisms or something. I don't know. Buddhisms? You make me sound like a redneck with the farmer's <laughs> almanac as my my human <laughs> glossary. Uh, no, the fishwives of Musselburg. So to, on this day in history, today's January 8th, for those of you that are listening to this on the podcast, but for those of you watching live, today is January 9th, not January 8th. It's January 9th. Thank you for that. Uh, live in the now, Boudreaux. But in the town of Musselburg, back in 1811, it was a, it's a coastal town in Scotland. Obviously when I say fishwives, you can guess what the main industry is there. And one of their, one of their kind of claims to fame is, well, they got a couple claims to fame. One is they, they hold claim for the longest time they held claim. And now St. Andrews has come out and kind of challenged it as having the oldest continuously played golf course in the world. Musselburg links, uh, not to be confused with Royal Musselburg. I do it all the time. So Musselburg in 
in 1811, and it was by like local proclamation. Obviously, back in the early 1800s, women weren't allowed to play golf alongside the dudes. Um, is fam famously when you go to St. Andrews, you got to go to the Himalayas right next to the old course. I haven't been. I've just read about it and dreamt about it. It's this gigantic putting complex, uh, and it's called the Himalayas because of the, the topography, and they make these mounds, and it's a putting golf course. It's almost like a chip and putt without the chipping. That's the only way that women were really getting involved at St. Andrews. But over in Musselburgh, 50 years before the Open Championship even started, they held the first women's golf tournament in history. It was in 1811, and the winner got themselves a nice new fish basket because the, the theory was these women, the women of Musselburgh, the fish wives of Musselburgh, they're doing the work of men. So why not allow them to have the same recreational opportunities and fun as the men? So they held a golf tournament to find to crown the, the, the greatest golfer amongst the fish wives of Musselburgh. Are you Googling furiously to see if I'm making this up? So no, I'm trying to I'm trying to interact with with, with our our audience, sir. Shouts <laughs> to the audience! Thank you for joining us at this buds for you. Don't forget the e. I don't want to get sued. And so they would give them uh, they gave them a nice new fish basket, and then when they realized that all they did was give them more work stuff, they also gave them a nice silk scarf. So 18, 1811 on this day in history, first women's golf tournament. Uh, the the fishwives of Musselburgh and Musselburgh Links actually hosted six Open Championships in the nascent days when it was in, it was part of the original three three site rota which I still don't know why we say rota instead of rotation, but that's a bitch fest for oh, July yeah, when I go off on my open thing. So shout out to the fishwives of Musselburgh and all of their descendants. Uh, you know, we toast to you in the history of golf on this day. But speaking of history, are you, are you ready to dive into some of the news of the day slash week? Always because there's been, we're, we're starting, we're kicking off the new year with, with uh, tons of new news, tons of tiger news already. Um, and sponsorship news across the board. Well, we on last week when Jason Day, that was kind of the first one that came yeah, out. Yeah, we, like, we, we, we kind of touched on it, yeah. We didn't like go in depth in it, but I think we're re reaching a point now where um, it's time to go in depth in it a little bit because I, I don't think these sponsorships are um, are changing their business approach by accident. There seems to be a, a conscious decision here of reallocating their funds and their time and their effort. Um, and sure, you can make the argument that if you don't know what we're talking about, by the way, Tiger and Nike split, it's been all over the news. If you're watching the show, you most likely know that after the 27 years of Nike Tiger partnership, uh, that is no more. Uh, so we'll see uh, what, what shirts uh, he will be wearing going forward. Although I say that even though last week with Ricky splitting from Puma, um, he changed the hat. He was just wearing an L on his hat. No, no, no big P for Puma on the hat, but he was still wearing a Puma shirt. So I'm not really sure how that works. Um, You're joking, but... right? You, you are absolutely fucking kidding me right now, right? What? About what? I'm just talking. <laughs> the L on Ricky's hat. Well, I it? did a no, whole, I, I did a whole thing about this on social media. Thanks for your help or thanks for your oh, support. I didn't read it. The I'm L sorry. The <laughs> or it. Read. I don't write. I don't write anymore. I don't know. Um, the L on Ricky's hat stood for Lahaina Luna high school, which is the local high school in Lahaina uh, and 2000 feet up the hill. It's, it's at the base of this kind of mountain or hill, you know, and 2000 mm -hmm. feet up on the hill is this 30 foot L. And it's in, in and it stands for Lahaina Luna High School. It's been up there since 1904. It's visible from everywhere around town, out in the water. Mm -hmm. And so Ricky got with Puma, or vice versa. I'm sure Ricky got with sure. Puma because if you don't, he's never mind. This is either here or there. But Ricky got with Puma and said, <laughs> "I want to do a special edition hat just for this week, and all proceeds are going to the recovery oh, okay. efforts from the wildfires yes, yeah, out there." That. I apologize. So, I missed that. Ricky, that makes so much Ricky, more sense. Now, if, <laughs> but if you're if you're if you're new to the show, I'm the golf guy. He's the sports brain. I know it's tough. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. but Ricky, Ricky, though, he did make news after the century. But because what you just said did get people kind of chirping and Rory yes. McIlroy even kind of let it slip that like a guy like Ricky might be a good grab for live. Ricky came out and did the Tony Finau. I ain't going yeah. fucking nowhere. You know, he did the Wolf of Wall Street yeah. kind of kind of gig. He's staying here. He's staying put uh, to your point. We Jason Day dropping, not dropping, but parting ways with Nike himself and going over to this Malbon Golf, which if yeah. you've never heard of it, join the club. Last yeah. year, Justin Thomas signed with a new brand, and I want to say it's like Grayson or something like that. It's got a wolf. It's a really tight... It, we're seeing that trend of golfers hopping off of the, the top tier golfers kind of hopping mm -hmm. off of the, the main bandwagon and kind of going for some of these hip or these more relatable 
brands, but I also, I don't think it's necessarily just the golfers. Rory McIlroy was on a podcast talking about, I mean, we'll, we, we got to go there next because he was on yeah. that podcast saying like, Hey, maybe I was a little wrong. Maybe I was a little yeah. too quick to judge. He didn't say he was wrong. He just was a little quick oh. to judge. You know, he kind of looking back now, maybe he wouldn't have reacted the same way. He more so reflected on his tone and, and that then yeah. what he said, I think he still believed in what he said. And what he was getting at was, um, was he was a little concerned with how the PGA tour, when this became a, a, an arms race with live and that's where I take umbrage, use it right, right. That time I take umbrage with Greg Norman coming out going, yeah, it was good to see Roy mm-hmm. kind of fall on his sword a little bit. Fuck off, Greggy. Nobody's falling on their sword. You do. You did not win anything. You don't have a superior product. You, you your, your superiors outgunned and outbanked the PGA tour. And so that's what, what Rory was getting at is we were trying to keep up and the money's just keeping getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. but then pause we're not changing the product that much this isn't me souring on it. it's the reality of, of it all and that's where i think some of this money where these six these you know these six year hundred million dollar contracts maybe nike's just going we're not putting our money there anymore we yeah. we don't need those humans anymore like we used to to get the eyeballs we want you know there, so that's why you might have these folks kind of going to the more niche brands uh, left and right. And we're tight. Ti- we're tigers going to fall. Let's see. Jack Nicholas was with, you know, Spalding forever. And he was with this and he was with that. And what do you know, the last 35 years of his life, he was wearing his own brand. Arnold yep. Palmer, he was with other people as famously Arnold Palmer is the one who changed the entire pro sports or pro golf game to make it a moneymaker with endorsements. And his agent was the guy who founded IMG Academy. It's a whole different cool story. Go check it out. I think his name is Mark McCormick. But then at the end, towards the end of his life, what do we all remember? The umbrella, like Tiger's yeah. going to just launch his own brand, even well, if it he, is partnered, even if it is partnered with a smaller, newer kind of upstart yeah. who he believes in that kind of thing. Well, and I think I think that's just I'm glad you you went there because I think I think these these lesser known smaller niche brands, as you said, as they get more involved with these higher end athletes and these these bigger names, Justin Thomas, Tiger Woods, whoever does end up continuing to sign with them, um, I think it's only going to make the game more accessible than it already is because all of a sudden these these, these golfers are going to be spread out across all these different brands, these brands, like no one brand, like say it's simple supply and demand and monopoly, whatever you want to call it. I'm not a business major, but um, if you have all the top golfers all under the Nike umbrella in the world, Nike can basically do whatever they want as far as what they're going to charge for their product to, to casual golfers. Like their whole business model is going to be based off of like, we are the best and we can prove that we're the best. Like It's just going to land that way. If everyone's spread out, then I feel like things are going to be a bit more reasonably priced to the casual casual golfer fan. I think the wealth is going to be more spread out across the business of golf, and that all is only going to equal golf becoming even more accessible to the casual fan to grow the game a little bit more. I, I think there's just now an active business model change on multiple levels of golf that they are you know, countering what Liv's doing. Welcome to capitalism. We're, we're, we're happy to have you. Competition drives prices <laughs> down, exactly. makes things more accessible. And that is, that is kind of the cycle we're in because nowadays it's not cool to have what everybody else has. It's kind of cool to have stuff that's really high quality that other people don't have yet, but you're yeah. welcoming them in much like acorn Hills. Like, the reason I was that- just going to say it. I got the, I got the new, the new three quarters that bought the quarters that I mean, uh, came in. Okay. So yeah, the, it, it looks good on you. I've got the be brave hoodie on right now. TBFY 15 mm-hmm. for 15% off when you go over and see them, but yeah, tiger and Nike mm-hmm. split. And one more thing about the Jason day. And then, uh, uh I want to kind of, kind of push this forward, but Jason day, the reason he said he, well, a couple of things, his contract was up with Nike and I doubt that they were going to re up or like we've been saying, they, I doubt they were saying, yeah, sure. You want another six years, hundred million dollars. They were probably like, they were probably like, we'll send you free pants, maybe some nice slacks. Uh, you can have tiger's shoes. Scotty Scheffler was wearing like an old pair of Tiger Woods kind of throwbacks at the century, which kind of got people a little bit of tear because it was like, oh, that's kind of sweet. I doubt, I don't know if it was on purpose or whatever, but Jason Day said he wanted something more comfortable. He was not happy with how the, the direction with golf gear in general was going to the more svelte, tight fitting, athletic uh, kind of look. And if yep. you notice, he was he was 
people were making fun of him. And I'm sure Jason Day was really upset about being made fun of, but I loved it. I could get behind it. His, his pants were kind of baggy by modern standards. They almost looked like the late nineties, mm-hmm. early two thousands pleated, you know, slacks, but yeah, they had yeah. patterns on them. His, 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 his polo shirt looked like he was on day three of a golf trip and it was the second time he had worn it just how it was mm-hmm. fitting. But I, I, what he said was, I want to be comfortable out there. At the end of the day, I just want to be comfortable. So whatever these guys have to do, yeah. I mean, the younger guys are out there wearing joggers for the same reasons. It's not because, you know, a cinched ankle actually looks good on a man. I'm joking. I own some myself. <laughs> but it's that uh, it's they're comfortable, and that's what they want to wear. Yeah. So comfort wins. And speaking of winning, Chris Kirk at the that's- Century, just real quick. Love his story. If you're not familiar with Chris Kirk, not Christian Kirk, that's a football player and somebody that Andrew tried to draft last year. But Chris Kirk is a Georgia Bulldog so who who kind of went to the went to the depths and back. He had he struggled with some mental health issues, specifically some substance abuse issues. And I loved hearing his interview after the win because they were asking him about, you know, and he's like, it's hard. It's hard to do this. But when you're not clouded, he I'm feeling I'm editorializing on his comments. But sure, when you're not yeah. clouded by substance abuse or irresponsible behavior and you can really focus in on what it takes to win, he said he's in love with the process. He's in love with the things that he has to do every single day to be the best version of himself. I thought it was inspirational. I thought it was really cool. And, the, and, and how well he was playing, how dialed in. I mean, don't be surprised if he goes off again this week. But look out for Chris Kirk this season. He won last year. He's flirted. He's been flirting around with the top. I I, could, I think he'd be a dark horse right now for the President's Cup later on this year. Uh, and then we'd make a call on the Ryder Cup. But the biggest news out of the century for me, and you just said you missed it, was Kevin Kisner on the call. Kisner. I didn't miss that. How'd you, how could you miss that? Kevin Kisner absolutely was he, he Don cheated the century. You know, he, he outshined yeah. the performance there because we all knew what we were going to get a birdie fest. Who's going to come out yeah. on top. That's um, just what the whole boy, East swing is. My boy Akshay, let's go. AB. This is going to be our year. He was, he was, he was kind of up there for a while and, and he didn't drop off so much as I just don't think he had that next gear. His putter has come yeah. out of nowhere. Uh, but Kisner on the call was a perfect, I think, I think NBC don't fuck this up. Don't make kids do anything that he doesn't, he doesn't need to be doing or want to be doing. I'm not saying you bow to him, but his player analysis was fresh. Paul Azinger, the reason that I think people gave Paul so much crap is Paul kind of followed the model of Johnny Miller. Difference is Johnny Miller was Johnny Miller and Paul Azinger, don't get me wrong, wonderful, you know, champion, yeah. historic Hall of Famer, et cetera. But he wasn't quite Johnny Miller. I mean, when Johnny Miller was 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 really competitive, they were talking about him challenging Jack for the title of greatest. Uh, and you know, we we see how that worked out. But sure. he he kind of he kind of wagged his finger a little bit, stuck his nose up. Kiz has made has grown his brand to be a man of the people. You know, this yeah, ain't no hobby. That champion. legend that he's got out there. Yes, he's he's our guy. He dinks it out there two fifty, and he. Mm-hmm. He, he admits that he loves being the short knocker off the tee who might shank one here or there, but then he's going to drain a 20 footer for birdie or to save his par just to watch the look on your face. It's he, well, was he walked good. around with the confidence and attitude as if he was blasting it, you know, 400 yards down the driveway, uh, down the driveway, down the, the fairway. <laughs> no, but Which another is the, from the people week. love about him as well. Another highlight from the week was a drive. Uh, Max Homa, longest drive on the shot link era. Oh, it's like 470 some. I didn't see the details. Did he get cart path or was this just he had to? I actually did. I didn't see a video of it either, but I, I just I saw the, the post about it. I saw the, the article about it. It's just madness. It, it, like he had to have gotten some help. That That's that's longest drive competition uh, numbers right there. Or it's just good karma. He deserves it. Max Holma, here's karma. to you. But quickly, Speaking of, just go. to wrap up, to wrap up Kisner, just because I I'd want to say this, I, I love the, his comments on how it how it ended up that he got a chance to broadcast help broadcast uh, this week. I don't know if you saw them, but he he basically yeah, said he basically said in, well please he basically said well I and I'm paraphrasing. I heard they were having tryouts. I had an open weekend, so why not spend it in Hawaii? Like, it's, get a, get a free did, trip to Hawaii out of it. Just, okay, I did yeah, catch that. He just kind of like downplayed it. Says like, yeah, it'd be stupid not to get a free trip to Hawaii. Basically, is the kind of the tone he took about it, which I just love. Well, he's, he's like, yeah, I'm just out here, you know, yeah. free and having fun. He doesn't need the money. He no. he he's obviously not there as a competitor this week, but I. His might be one of those guys that he he could see the writing on the wall and he's like, I can either grind it out for another 10 years trying to chase these guys or I can, 
you know, I'm a four or five, I'm a five time PGA, PGA, PGA tour winner, which I mean, winning once on the PGA tour, people hang their hats on for eternity, which is, which is understandable. So he's got the credentials. He's got the bona fides. He doesn't need the money. So he was just out there for a good time and uh, to see how the car, the chemistry was. And I think he, he brought great balance and kind of an updated perspective to the game. But speaking of karma, one more piece of news, and then I want to then, then let's look ahead to the rest of the season. I mean, we're going to talk about obviously if you tuned in for some fantasy analysis, we're going to get to that after the after the halfway point at the bottom of the hour, as, as they would say in the biz. <laughs> but karma came full circle for Mr. Patrick Reed. Oh Did my you God. see this so, news? So when I saw the news headline for that, I almost I almost didn't think it was real. Like I kind of yes. read it and said, this seems like such a like a troll headline that there's no way this is real. So like, I'm going to try to sum it up here, and you're going to correct me. I know you are. Um, no, but I want to hear how you understand it. The way I kind of read it and understood it in summary is that he sued for defamation, and a court found that th- there was no defamation. And on top of that, him suing and bringing this to court was a waste of money and time for everyone involved. And they tacked him with a fine instead, basically. Right. Yeah. The, the, the <laughs> ruling just... was dope. I I'm a little bit of a, I, I, it's, I, like, it's like when I you're genuinely... a kid and you go and tattle on your sibling and you get spanked for tattling. Like, <laughs> yeah. You get, you, you, you get put in a timeout for being a narc. He went yeah. after Brandel Chambly, Eamon Lynch, golf channel, yep. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It, and and when I was thinking about this, I'm like, you're going after people who's a, in, a, in a whole channel whose opinion is or whose purpose is to have an opinion. You know, these people, that's what they get paid for. Yeah. Brandon even says it like, I mean, that's part of his job is to have a stance, have a thought, have an opinion. Yeah. And then the judge the said, title. no. And by the way, you need to pay them back. So, yeah, the judge dismissed the two the two claims, the two motions. My my best friend Jeff would fill us in lawyer jeff tell me is yeah. it a claim or a motion but um dismissed the two motions and then said oh by the way you need to pay these people back for wasting all of our time and i'm pretty sure if the judge could have asked him for his time back he would have as well so couldn't have happened to a nicer guy i think sure. i've hey, given him the hey, benefit he, of the doubt for so long but fuck he waved at you, he, uh, you <laughs> i know and now i'm now i'm disappointed in myself for not getting in a, a, a better barb than i did but you know what sometimes you get blinded by the lights uh, all right, so the century is over. We got the Sony open on the horizon, but the rest yeah. of the year is shaping up. So the century was the first signature event, and I know last week we kind yes. of blew through them, but what what strikes me, we got the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, so the rest of the signature events of the year, and the signature events this year kind of go down like this. Uh, if you're used to the elevated event, or they've called them designated events, elevated events, the, now they're called signature events. And aside from just having a fatter purse and prize money and that kind of stuff, they're now having limited fields in all but three of them. So the rest of the signature events, the Century was one of them, and they had they had not a limited field, uh, but limited in comparison to others. I mean, 59, so that is limited field. I'll shut up and go back to my business. The rest of them are the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, the Genesis, Arnold Palmer's Bay Hill Invitational, brought to you by MasterCard, uh, the Heritage, Wells Fargo, the Memorial, and the Travelers. Now, the Memorial is Jack's Tournament, Arnie's Tournament is Bay Hill, and the Genesis is Tiger's Show. Those yeah, three will have, they will still have limited fields, but they're going to have a 36-hole cut. And they're going to have a 36-hole cut down to like the top 50 in ties. So there is still going to be that element. You know, they're playing for $20 million. And there's also going to be some tweaks in there and how the winner's share is distributed versus the uh, the other fields. Um, I'm a little shocked here at at, at the Heritage and the Wealth, Wells, Wells Fargo holding their positions. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because they need it. And we talked about this before. Waste management doesn't need the title. Some of these no. other, you know, they, they they don't need that kind of head nod. They're a big enough, you know, event to themselves. But out of that, Pebble Beach, Genesis, Arnold Palmer, Heritage, Wells Fargo, Memorial Travelers. What are your thoughts on, what, what do you think is going to be the most intriguing signature event of the year? Uh, I mean, so a couple for a couple of reasons. The the Genesis, just because we, we know Tiger's going to most likely play that. It's just, you can't get away from it. So the Genesis tournament. Exactly. So, and, and he said he's going, his goal is to play one a month, um, which I still think is a bit um, ambitious for him just from what we've seen, but he knows how he feels. We'll see. So the Genesis is going to have that draw about it. Um, 
I'd, honestly, out of those right there, still my favorite that I think still has a big draw. I, the Arnold Palmer for me. I love the Arnold Palmer. Um, I, th- I think just being at Bay Hill and the, the scenery of that, it's just the Arnold Palmer for me um, is the most intriguing out of all those for me. I mean, maybe the Travelers just because it's closer to where me and you are and there's always that off chance to shoot down there and see it, but it's never happened. So who knows? But I, I'm curious to know, when it comes to these signature events in the limited fields, are you fine with them being limited fields or does this, no. do you think? No, I'm not. I, okay. I, I, Cause I, I, cause I don't need, cause I don't either because I understood the purpose of the PGA coming out with these signature events to obviously they were very clear to raise the, the purse, the total purse amount for, for the field. Um, but to me that meant that that also played into the, the lower end golfers, the, 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 you know, the second tier, second, third, fourth tier golfers that we, we don't know a ton about that are playing for their cards that are playing for their careers. Um, I, it almost feels like it's getting more exclusive somehow. And it, it seems like that is completely opposite of everything they've been preaching for the last two years with all the lift stuff. And that like the 36 hole cut and the limited field It's like, what are we doing here? Are you, are you trying to take aspects of live and, and call them your signature events now? Because that is just a complete 180 from the stance I thought you took. And just from a, my own personal belief, these signature events should be, a full field that's the, I, I thought the whole purpose was to be the big grand event that isn't already a major. It just doesn't feel that I, way to me with it being a limited field. I, I, if, if, if I wanted to, I could sit here and just be a horse's ass and push back on you about the whole inclusivity thing. This is, and I would go the Rory route. This is pro golf. This is elite golf play better. You want sure, I get that too, yeah. the thing that the PGA tour the th- I don't necessarily agree that uh, I'm about to, I'm about to contradict myself, but the thing that they have over live is more avenues and opportunity for this kind of yes. stuff, not just the small oh, yeah, I, money, but the fact that there yeah. are ways to get in there. I, uh, what I have an issue with and Mackenzie Hughes, uh, Mackenzie Hughes, Canadian golfer. He mm-hmm. got in, he basically got in because John Rob, we talked about this. He got mm-hmm. in because John Rob yes. bounced. He moved up from 51 to 50. So he got a little bit of spotlight and he was, a, he was given some interviews recently Pete Dye Stadium, of course, at La Quinta, the American Express. Sorry. Mackenzie Hughes was talking about he was pissed. And he was pissed about the fact that, first of all, he was at the tournament where they had that players meeting with Jay and it was the top 30. And he's sitting there mm-hmm. going, I'm like the I'm like number 50 or 55. You mean to tell me I'm not good enough to at least be in the room? Like I can't just you was can't just say, one, hey, Max, was he the one who's was he the one that no. showed the shouted out from the back? It wasn't him because that name sounded, he no, because he wasn't because he wasn't because he because he wasn't in the room. He wasn't in the room. That's oh. that's his whole point. Oh, I thought you just said he was. I thought you just said he was. I'm sorry. I missed no, it. he was saying his he was pissed off because he's like, why why just the top thirty guys, you know? And then all of a sudden they get this note yeah. saying these signature events are going to be limited fields, and he admits he goes, listen, I'm I'm an idiot to not play in them. I can play in them now. I'm the top fifty, so I've got I've unlocked all these mm-hmm. doors. But his his problem was around process, and that's kind of. There's the underbelly. I'm over here. I, I am. I am of the camp that everything's going to be fine. It doesn't mean that everything is great all the time. And I do yeah. think that that was a miss. And I think that if you're going to do these signature events and you want to prove how good and how robust your player pool is, you don't follow the live path of limited fields. Maybe do like two, two a year. If you really want to do like some super, you know, some just three times a year, you've got that mm-hmm. that century field that is like only going to be thirty guys you know, whatever it is, then do one around the midpoint. That's only 30, the top 30, and then do one at the very end. It's called the tour championship. We do it anyway, but everything else I, I do, I do kind of, I'm going to take umbrage one more time. <laughs> I do take a little umbrage with limited fields for these signature events because having hundred, it doesn't matter if you start with 70 or start with 155, as long as after 36 holes, you cut it down to 70. That's, yeah. that's the whole idea of professional golf. And so to, to get rid of that, you do lose a little bit of leverage in the, I mean, in whatever bullshit kind of public debate that goes on where I see people online live golf state winning and PGA tour is struggling. Yeah, it, 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 this is work. This is workplace drama. They ask they ask Kevin Kisner, you know, they ask Kisner, they're like, if golf ain't a hobby, what are you hobby? He's like hunting, fishing and parenting. And I was like, that's not, yeah, that's yeah, not bad. That's- but he's like, yeah, this is my job. So to, to, to have them be limited bugs me a little bit. And, um, but I'm still going to watch, I'm still a junkie. And well, yeah. I think I am most, I'm most looking forward to the, the Pebble beach pro am. I'm glad that they gave that uh signature, like a signature event status. 
uh, because it, you know, you do see the famous faces. Pebble Beach has got to be w- one of the most iconic, if not the most recognizable golf course, uh, save maybe Augusta National uh, yep. to the late, to, well, to the golf person, I think to the, to the general public, the 17th at Sawgrass. And I am biased oh, there. Yeah, so Pebble Beach Pro Am's around the corner. Uh, we do have Genesis, like you said, Tiger said, mm-hmm. see you in LA and his little tweet, his little tweet. Yep. And I think that is where we're going to see him wearing. Uh, I don't know. I hope that he utilizes, I, I don't know what the deals are with him and Nike and who's got copyrights over like was, Frank, the little, well, the, the little tiger logo that, and that kind of well, stuff. Well, and I wonder, yeah, if he's going to, if he's going to retain the rights to the TW on the, he has a hat, like maybe that just turns into the brand of clothing wears. Like who knows? We'll see how the business then shakes out. One last, one last musing around that. And then we'll hear from our friends at underdog. I, I don't think this would happen because of the nature with which Nike and him were kind of publicly giving each other verbal bouquets and kissing each other, saying goodbye. They really were. But, but you see something like the Jumpman brand that is, uh, you know, that's kind of under that Nike umbrella, tangentially related. I don't know if it's like a co-owner kind of thing. I don't know what the hell is going on over there. But yeah. I could see that be. But at the same time, if that was going to be the case. It would have been, there wouldn't have been all that rigmarole. They would have probably just rolled it out or they would have said something a little softer. They would have kind of teased it out. So I'm looking forward to the TW brand. I hope it's not hokey, but in the meantime, let's see what our friends at underdog have to say about it. Is air Jordan part of Nike? I always forget. Maybe that's a, another option. Let's hear from underdog though. Just skip my last word. Fantasy Sports Corp and Underdog Fantasy have teamed up to start your fantasy season off in the win column with Best Ball. What is Best Ball? It's quite simply the easiest way to win. No team management, no trades, no waivers. It's their biggest contest ever and it has only gotten bigger. You simply have to sit and win. You don't even have to set your lineup. Always get your best score every week. Just enter a contest, draft your team, and Underdog will do the rest. What could make this even better? How about free money? Up to $100 using our exclusive promo code. Go online now and use the promo code DIVPIV to double your deposit up to $100. You tell them Gingerbread sent you. Good girl. Let's get into the Sony Open. You teased it. Let's end that tease right now. Uh, we're in the Hawaii swing. And as we alluded to with the Century Open last week, the uh, the... The Hawaii swing is usually birdie fest. Um, I always remember the Hawaii swing from years ago when uh, Justin Thomas kind of broke through. Uh, he, he went on an absolute run in Hawaii and carried that through into the Texas swing as well. Um, so like, that that's I always think of this as an opportunity for someone to uh, appear and to uh, be highlighted out of nowhere early on in the season that then gets us hyped up for the rest of the season on a guy like that. Uh, so let's look at why is it is it Wiley Wiley. Mm-hmm. Either or, I was gonna say you're not at the ball. I thought it was Ludwig Aberg for a while. Yeah, I know. And well, we both did to be fair. Uh, but look, this is this is an interesting an interesting course because, like we've said, everything points to a scoring fest, a birdie fest here. Um, but quietly, this is also a course that has uh, lower fairways made uh, than the tour average. So this is a course that. Uh, it's hard to hit the fairway. It seems like a lot of people miss the fairway, but it also that just means that the scrambling percentage is also up. Uh, opportunities are there if you do miss the fairway. So missing the fairway is not the end of the world for you here, but it obviously helps you get to that that higher scoring when you are competing against guys who are going to go low no matter what. So those are the things we are looking at here uh, at Wildlife Country Club. Do you have any historical facts to hit us with about uh, Wildlife before we uh, we get into some more nitty gritty? stats well you were talking about the historical well you were talking about the accuracy aspect and then yeah i do have a a fun fact for you and it's in i mentioned earlier tom doke 2018 renovated the course and when you see a lot of descriptions you see tree-lined fairways you see that and you see it's very narrow uh the difference is it's flat and so are the greens which is why it can turn into a birdie fest as long as you keep the ball in play as a matter of fact andrew i do have a fun fact about the sony open in hawaii it was back in 1983 it was back in 1983 that Iseo Aoki became the first Japanese uh, golfer to win on the PGA Tour. 
he in 1980 or 81, I can't remember, somebody fact checked me. He kind of burst onto the world scene. He was well known in Japan. And again, for, for the kids out there back in the 80s, it wasn't necessarily a everything wasn't global. People weren't jet setting and hopping all over all the time. So it was people there were be there would be players who would spend their entire lives over in Europe or in Japan and maybe only once come over or twice a year for the majors. And then we would never see him again, as opposed to now where you got people playing on two, three, four tours, as long as it's not live. So I say Oyoki yeah. made his name over in Japan. And then he pushed Jack Nicholas at a U.S. Open in the early 80s, one of Jack's finals and uh, final majors. And he and he kind of, you know, made a name for himself. He got status. He's over here on the PGA Tour eventually. And in 1983, this is the cool part about the story, not just the fact that he won, but it's how he won going into the 72nd hole. He needed a birdie to force a playoff dunked it from 128 for an eagle and the win. So I say Oioki 1983 Sony Open in Hawaii. Um I don't I don't know if it was the same time of year because these these early tournaments sometimes yeah. are we used to be fall events that got moved around, but I will tell you it was 1983 shouts to I say and the Japanese golfers out there which Ricky Fowler uh his father grandfather I think it's his grandfather on his mom's side maybe, but I do know that Ricky's got some Japanese in him as well in his in his history. So that's the fun fact from me, our 70, 7,044 yards, uh, you know, as far as key stats are concerned, I'm taking a, I'm taking a little different approach this year with my key three. First of all, first of all, I might take a page out of your playbook and have more than three, but I'm, I can't, I, I, I'm fighting it. I'm doing three this week, only doing three yes. this week, Okay, but it was hard. It was hard because I had to drop some of them off. And, uh, and last year I was using putting and in ball striking no matter what and i've decided yep. this year that putting and ball striking and if you don't know my history strokes gain putting i mean at any given moment a, a putter can absolutely just launch you into contention you saw that with akshay this last week at the century yep. his putter was kind of his achilles heel last year and that's how the pro game works or that's how the game works in general though macro to micro and now that he's kind of got that putter under control look out for ab but strokes gained putting and strokes gained ball striking. Ball striking takes strokes gained approach and strokes gained off the tee and okay. combines those to a category called ball striking. And that's why I like it, because if you ask anybody in DFS golf universe, strokes gained approach is generally con considered the best kind of you had to take one single stat and kind of hang Correct. your hat on it to how a player is playing at the moment. How are they in strokes gained approach? So I say, especially in a place like uh, a place like Wildlife Country Club, and if we're butchering that, somebody correct us. I they say, <laughs> the tee, well off the tee, and you have a you've got a great approach game. Then on a flat greens like this, eventually you'll get them rolling in. So I'm doing strokes gained, ball striking, bogeys avoided. It's going to be a birdie mm -hmm. fest everybody's going to be making birdies. And, you know, the Brooks Kepka kind of mantra of I've only got to beat 12 guys. So who in those top 20 is not, are not going to be making the mistakes that have you just kind of yeah. fall attention down the line. And then last, but certainly not least proximity, a hundred to one twenty five. I thought about doing oh. part. I thought about doing par three, one seventy five to 200, because that's the, the range of those par threes. And my theory was, if you can snag a couple of strokes on the, on the field in your par three game here, that that's going to be a difference maker. But instead I went back and looked at those, those par fours and they're not long. They only got a couple that are over 450. So these guys are going to have wedges in all the time. Now they might not be bombing at 350, 360, just to keep a little more under control, but they can still rip these driving irons out there 300 plus and give themselves hundred to 125 yards in. So proximity hundred to 125, Who's setting themselves up for, for birdies? Now, this is where I had to struggle. Do I go with opportunities mm -hmm. gained, converting those? But nope, we're sticking to our key three. Proximity to 100, 100, 125, bogey avoidance, and strokes gained, ball striking. Back to you in the studio. I find the 100 to 125 proximity very interesting because I took a different approach than that. That is and where we are complete opposite on that. But I want to start off with, uh, I, I like your approach to the it being a birdie fest, so you're going to go to the bogey avoidance because most people, most and me included in the past, when I hear birdie fest, I would immediately go to the stat of birdies or better. Um, but, to your, but to your point, bogey avoidance is a much better stat when it comes to uh, making the cut or and, and finishing high because you want to avoid shooting yourself in the foot because in a, in a birdie fest in a birdie fest one birdie is all it's going to take to kind of take you out of the run like because guy, if guys are clicking off birdies like crazy 
you go backwards one stroke, like you're gonna drop 20 spots. It's, When's the it's last time be... you were in a birdie fest? Never. Uh, <laughs> how many birdies does count? Does it take for, to be a birdie fest? Um, but so what? What I'm saying is, I I like that approach, uh, going against the grain just by s- simple way of wording. Um, for me though, I'm a contrarian. The, I took a different approach on the um, the proximity. I actually went proximity 150 to 175 because I I'm taking the approach that because of the narrow tree lined fairways that do play lower accuracy than a tour event that I think there's going to be a lot more controlled club choice off of the tee box. I'm thinking more irons, more woods, more hybrids to where these guys are going to sit just a little bit further back than they would be when they're hitting that driver. And I think that 150 to 175 range is going to be a bit more accurate to the range that they're going to be taking these approach shots from. So that's one of my key three Uh, strokes gained off the tee. I took a slightly different approach, but with kind of the same mentality as you. I know you included T to green, but that's because I still included strokes gain approach as part of my no matter what I'm playing that. And then my other key three is par four, 450 to 500. Another thing that we are completely opposite on. Now, this was close because there's almost equal par fours that are 450 to 500 and 400 to 450. So it's it, it, you could have gone either way with that. Quite frankly, I took the lazy approach where 450 to 500 was already keyed into my stat model from last week, and I just stuck with it. So, <laughs> so I, let I it ride. Stuck, I just stuck with it. So, uh, approximately you know 150 to one. Yes. Real quick, the 150 to 175 versus the 100 to 125. Two things. A, let's remind one of the interns to track that and find out. You know which one had. You know where where what distance category had more of those approach shots coming in. I can give you the historic numbers if you'd like, because I have those right in front of me. So the the historic numbers are 11.8% of approach shots are from 100 to 125. Uh, And historically, what did I say again? I said 150 to 175. Historically, 20.3% are from 150 to 175. Fuck you. I don't believe the numbers. (laughs) But the the USGA (laughs) and the (laughs) RNA... I, I trust the moose. Um, I know. <laughs> the P, the, but the P, the USGA and the PGA, given, given, not the PGA, sorry, the USGA and the RNA, given yep. their golf ball rollback stuff, yeah, they, they want more of those approach shots to be in the 150 to 175. It's not going to happen. These guys are too freaking good at what they do. And it's going to yeah. have increment. We never, that all came down when we were in our off season. I can't believe we haven't di- dived into or wow. dove into the golf ball thing, but well, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see because I have no problem eating crow and being wrong. It's happened before. Uh, but at the end of the day, there. I do think that I do think that it's a, if you can take off the tee and approach and combine them, you've got ball yeah. striking. No, no, and you're not wrong. You're not wrong there. I, I, but you know me. I like to break it down into complete separate groups and have probably more stats, uh, key stats than needed. And you take the more the more condensed version, and uh, somehow at the end of the somehow at the end of the year we end up uh, as far as it comes down. It comes down to the tour championship. I was going to say as far as who we're picking and who's done better with their picks throughout the year. We're always even. It's it's a wild thing. It just shows you how crazy the game of golf will be. Talking about picks, talking about uh, how you can play fantasy golf and how you can play along with the pros here. Uh, we're switching things up this year. So last year uh, and the year before, we mainly talked about DraftKings, DraftKings pricing, how, how you build a lineup on DraftKings. And it makes sense. DraftKings is one of the uh, industry leaders in how you play fantasy golf and all of fantasy sports in general. Uh, with our partnership but, with Underdog Fan, with but with but, our partnership with Underdog Fantasy, what do you have more to say? I was going to say, oh, but like we were talking, but we were talking, like we were talking about earlier in the show. The trend is if everybody's doing mm-hmm. it, but you can find a similar experience, a similar product, a similar service from a trustworthy, fun, new, vibrant kind of avenue. Um, I'm, and this is where I could start making jokes about we've we've jumped from PGA to live, but we're not. <laughs> We're just kind of going over and we're trying a different style of DFS. Uh, exactly. and, it's, and it's been a lot of fun. It's been a mentality shift. And I'll let you get back into what makes it different over at Underdog Fantasy. But I just had, it just hit me like a million, a million light bulbs going off at once that we're doing exactly what I was talking about Fair earlier, enough. which is you're trying to do something a little different just for just for mm-hmm. the shits and giggles. And eventually, hopefully, the massive amounts of endorsement checks.
I'm just kidding. But, well, but even not just for the shits and giggles, I think in the end, because of the way we are going to approach building our lineups for underdog fantasy, which means the way we're going to approach building our rankings and our picks, it's going to actually help all of you universally across the different formats because you will still be able to use the rankings that we are about to give to you here in a few minutes uh, across DraftKings, across FanDuel. Yes, are you going to have to maybe get a little creative with how you fit them into your budget sometimes? Yes, but as a whole, our rankings are still going to be true to what we believe the tournament is going to end up with. So with Underdog Fantasy, to sum it up now, uh, they are one-round contests. Uh, every now and then they do have specialty contests that last the entire tournament, but they are one-round contests. So if you if you struggle on day one and round one, you have a chance to try again in round two. But the way you pick your team is not like your FanDuel's. It's not like your DraftKings where you're picking based off of a salary. It's snake draft style. So you are in a... a quote-unquote league contest with anywhere from two other people to 11 other people uh it, it ranges from three to 12 people contests uh and it's snake like draft pickup style. games yeah it's snake draft style depending on how many people are in the contest will depend on how many people you have on your team uh and then from there once you pick your team through like any other fantasy draft uh, it all comes down to finishing position birdies made it, all the scoring is basically the same as what you're used to. So, uh, but the draft is more fun. It allows you to get some higher end uh, picks. If you want to call them that, if you want to take the risk that some of the, the more popular hyped up names uh, higher in the rankings going to finish well. And then it gives you the freedom to really uh, throw some wrenches and get some nice, uh, you know, sleeper picks into your lineup as well that nobody else is going to be paying attention to because most people in these drafts I'm finding stick to the rankings up at the top. So you are able to find those diamonds in the roughs and slide them in to your lineup, which brings us to our next segment that you will see pretty much every week this year. We call it the emergency nine. And as you saw on the screen, if you listen to the podcast, well, the emergency nine is going to be our rankings for the week. Uh, but break us down why we're calling it nine. Why are we doing nine instead of ten? Is, does it just make you tingle inside and feel happy that we're using a golf number? Is that really all it is? I don't. I don't ever <laughs> want to hear you say tingle inside while you're referring to me. But yes, I couldn't have us do a top ten in the sport of golf where nine is just right there and accessible. That would be like having a top twenty and seven eighteen. And also in the house where I was raised, there was a rule: if there was enough daylight to have to get nine holes in, it was an emergency. It was called an emergency nine. We would just yell it out. And then if you weren't in the car in five minutes, you missed that nine hole round. And that was just kind of how it was. So we've got our emergency nine coming to you this this year. And uh, I'm excited about it. I am excited about this underdog fantasy, you know, doing something new, doing the snake draft. And like you said, you can shit the bet on Thursday. You can tee it back up on Friday. Uh, there yep. is no cut. So you can always play the weekend. And I'm curious. Put Now, I'm using our friends over at Fantasy National and their wonderful information, except for that flawed statistic about the approaches at the Sony Open. I think that I think they need I think they need to check that one. But I'm using that as a guide. I'm not necessarily going to cut and paste my picks just because the model says so. You know me. So I think I can outsmart the model. I'm I, I'm I'm way, way too arrogant to actually think that the the statistics are right. You know, my gut and my golf knowledge and just sheer mm -hmm. determination are going to figure this out. But I am going to use them as a guide. And so I do have, you know, at the top of my model, you know, I've got a couple of those guys in there. But then I went way out there and I've got some gut shots. And so I'm going to give yep. you my nine, eight, and seven. And then I want to hear who you got. Perfect. That's how it's going to go every week. We're going to go back and forth. Three, 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 three. That totals nine. Actually, that totals 18, but nine 18. for each of us. Um, and I will, I would say that if there was a front nine and back nine, you would be the front nine and I'd be the back nine, if you know what I'm saying. And that's what the season long Number, results last year. So, yes. <laughs> Number nine for me this week, he's 61st in my, in my model. I, again, I went ball striking bogeys avoid one in proximity, 100 to 125. This guy ranked out 61st, but I've already talked about him. The putter's going and he's young. He's got that confidence. And just because the model says 61, my eyeballs tell me he's playing better than that. Sure. So Akshay, come on down. You're number, you're number nine on, on, on Bud's list. Let's go AB. This is going to be our year. Number eight on my list, 22 in my model, Brendan Todd, another bulldog. And I have got a history of talking shit about this guy, mostly because when I pick him, he shits the bed and then he'll go on a run for like four weeks after that. But he's a, he's another kiz and I don't just mean a, a bulldog. I mean, he's a short knocker. He's short, he's straight. And when he's hitting it well, 
he 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 goes on those birdie runs and then I'm back to my rankings. Number seven, both in my rankings and in my model, is Ryan Moore. Ryan Moore is one of those names that he's kind of like Ryan. One of those Palmer, guys right? I always end up playing. Yeah, and he had a he had a successful he had a pretty pretty successful run at the uh, in the FedEx All Swing or whatever the hell they he called it last year. Put that to bed. And one of his last couple tournaments, he was gaining four, five, sometimes ten strokes on the field. And so I think that Ryan Moore. Maybe if he can ride that wave, it's a long time to be off from golf, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Akshay, Brendan, Todd, Ryan Moore, nine, eight, seven. What do you got for me, kid? I love it. And I love that you said that you don't just go strictly by the numbers. You, you use your eye as well. You use your rankings from Fantasy National as your guideline and your starter because uh, I do the same. And although Fantasy National provides you more than enough stats to just blindly follow the numbers, uh, I also break away from that. Um, and for instance, uh, I've came across through someone else's research, a nice little stat this week of the past winners or the recent, I think it was like a 10 year span of winners at this tournament at the Sony open. Uh, and they pretty much all did not play the week before at the century, what used to be called the century tournament of champions. Uh, just a little tidbit that sure to have success in fantasy and on underdog fantasy, do you have to have the winner? Not necessarily. So that could that could be an outliner stat. Sure. Maybe the winner wasn't at the century and maybe the next six guys were, which is why I considered it. And then once I got far enough down my rankings of ignoring those guys, I went back and added them back in. So let me get back into my rankings at number nine, uh, number nine in my rankings, number 15 uh, in my overall rankings uh, is Chad Ramey. And if you are playing DraftKings, he's 6,500 on DraftKings this week. Uh, he's got that top 10 in the 150 to 175. Uh, and those power fours as well, he's a top 20. So I like Chad Ramey as my number nine, number 15 as the overall rankings. Uh, and then Aaron Rye at number eight, number 13 overall as well, 7,500 on DraftKings. Aaron Rye, I know he's a fan. He's a favorite of yours. Uh Aaron Rye, we haven't really seen him recently. We haven't seen him since the Zozo, um, but he's a guy who uh, he, he's just a solid iron player, wedge player. Uh, so I think he's going to have no problem getting it into these. Tommy factors. two gloves. Tommy two gloves. <laughs> and then coming in at my number seven, who's actually well, now we're going to get a lot closer into my, my overall rankings, number seven and number nine of my overall, a guy that I personally did not hear of until this week. Callum Taron. Callum Taron, yes, you heard that right. 6,400 on DraftKings, uh, 3% projected owner over there if that's where you're playing. Once again, you can use these rankings however you want to. Uh, but Callum Taron, his putter is a, slightly a little shaky, but if you're going to have a course where you're going to find your putter again, a nice, flat, medium, firm, kind of average speed greens is going to be the place where you're going to be able to get it back to basics. So those are my 9, 8, 7 in Chad Ramey, Aaron Rye, and Callum Taron. I Hit thought you were just making. Th I, I think you. I thought you were just making things up when you said kind of medium firms, whatever the hell. There, nope. there was a quasi-sexual way you just described those greens. I'm just gonna put it out there. All right, I go back to my model and I get and as I get to the top, I do lean on it a little bit more because it just yes. starts making sense, especially when it's when it when it passes the eye test, like it does for uh, my number five guy. But my number six guy to start with is he's sixth in my model. He's sixth on my list because of that. 7,600 too. You're probably going to get some leverage there, but JJ Spawn, uh, he's, he's one of those names that every once in a while in a birdie fest, I've seen JJ, JJ and JT, JT Poston and JJ Spawn can go on yeah. runs with birdies. And so JJ Spawn, I've got him in the number six spot. Number five, Frog Nation. If you're not familiar with Boston Common yes. Golf, get familiar. We'll talk about it more next week because it was a mm -hmm. big disappointment for us that TGL is not launching, but Tyrrell Hatton. Tyrrell, he is one of Tyrell. my favorites of all time. He he went off, was shot like with 61, 62. I think he shot 61 maybe. Uh, or no, 62 because it was 11 under and still just blew me away. Remember, Century was par 73. So we got JJ Spawn, Tyrrell Hatton, and Benny on. It's so good to see Benny on wow, back in action. He was another one. He set a tournament record for, he set mm -hmm. a, a PGA Tour record for most birdies in a tournament at the Century. So he's in form, Tyrrell's in form, and JJ Spawn is my guy who can go off at a moment's notice. What do, what do, what do you got over there? Yeah, so real fast on, on Tyrrell Hatton. I don't know if you saw his quick Tyrell. comments this week uh, after shooting an eight under round and he did uh, his interview afterwards. He did nothing but talk crap about himself, basically. And someone said, you do realize you just had an eight under round. And he says, yeah, but I've gotten really good at talking bad at myself, so I'm going to stick with being negative. 
<laughs> it, was, it was the most Tyrrell Hatton thing I've ever heard, and I loved every God, second I love of him. that. I love him so much. Uh, yeah, my six to four. So number six for me uh, and coming up overall, number eight in my rankings. Like I said, this is where I'm going to tr- follow my overall rankings more. Uh, Tyler Duncan uh, at 6,600. And this is like I said, this is why I said our rankings can be used across because a lot of these guys I've named out at least so far are really low price on DraftKings. So you're going to be able to get uh, my top three and still afford pretty much my entire nine, you know, six out of my nine easily. So Tyler Duncan, I mean, I think he's got a good putter right now. He's he's good off the tee. He's a nice, accurate driver. So Tyler Duncan, and then coming in at number, what are we on? Five now. At number five, Taylor Pendrith. Now, Taylor Pendrith is a guy I mentioned a lot last year. I like Taylor Pendrith. Nice young guy uh, who I think is going to break through at some point. So I'm going to ride I'm gonna ride the hype while I can. I caught myself there. <laughs> <laughs> and then coming in. And then I, now this is where I am in line because he's number five overall. I am in line with my overall rankings at this point. Ryan Moore falls at number four for me here. Um yeah, Ryan Moore falls at number four for me. I thought I read it wrong. So this is where we align. You have him a little bit further down. I have him a little a little higher up. But this is one you can ring the bell on. We are both in agree- agreement. Ryan Moore is a guy that divots and pivots, uh, believes in this week, and you can play with confidence coming at number four for me. Give me your top three as we round out the show. Russell Henley coming in at number three, 9,600, which is mm-hmm. appropriate. He's won here before, winner back in 2013. And I know some people would say it's 11 years ago. It doesn't matter. All it takes is one moment, one shot. And, uh, and, and it comes back to Hideki Matsuyama. He came out, he came out at number two in my model and he was bit last year by the, by the injury bug a lot. You know, I, yeah. I made the joke that I wouldn't pick him at all because he rarely makes it through a round. It feels like, I, then I'm going to trust the numbers on this one because if he, if he's healed, if he's healed, if he's healed, healed, went to church on Sunday, if he's healthy, he, you know, th- there's, there's very few folks who are better ball strikers. We saw that at Augusta and we've seen that from time to time. Speaking of ball, ball strikers, Corey Connors seems to be the chalkiest of the chalky this week. But my yeah. number one was a guy who last year, I think um, there was some disappointment when he didn't get picked for the Ryder cup. Uh, mm. or not sorry. Mr. Lucas Glover and, you know, pops he's number one. He's number one in my, in my, in my model, he's only $7,700. And again, coming off of a finish, like he did last year, I'm going to roll the dice with Lucas. My sister went to middle school with him. So I also kind of have that connection that I'm going to, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw a bone over that way. Shout out to Greer, 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 South Carolina. Hey, we almost made it through a show without a camp drop. But I'm not going to talk camp. So uh, Lucas Glover, Hideki Matsuyama, and Russell Henley. That's one, two, and three to kind of bring us home. What do you got at the top of your list? Look, it's perfect because you know when both of us have someone in the top three, that is a sure shine, sign that they are going to win. It's, it's just money. They're going to win. Go bet Lucas Glover because I have him at number three right now for all the same reasons you just said, Lucas Glover. Uh I have him at number three. Number two, I can't not play one of the hottest golfers in the world right now. We've mentioned him. Ludwig Aberg. I, I got to play him. Oh, I bear. Oh, I'm never going to get it right. Uh, Ludwig, uh, he's my number two. And then coming up as my number one, a guy who was very hot last year, who we played a ton and rode while we could, Eric Cole. Eric Cole is the number one of my model. Uh, so I love that. My my only knock, I, I like everything you said about Hideki, and it, it might actually cause me to change how I do my process next week. Uh, Hideki's putter just comes out like almost dead last for me in this field. And that's one thing that injury aside, uh, that's the the one part of your game that I feel like injury is not going to necessarily affect as much. And his putter is just dreadful at the moment. Um, but I'm going to look at my process to see if maybe I can tweak that because uh, Hideki – if you're seeing Hideki as high up as you are, and I'm seeing this down low, there's got to be some sort of middle ground the way I look at it. So we shall see. But that's my top three. Lucas Glover, Louis Gaber, and Eric Cole. Any final thoughts leading into this week, bud? Two of them. Welcome back, Gary Woodland. He was top 20 in my model, 7,100. But again, I'm a little, I'm a little, it, when I say welcome back, if you don't know, he had a lesion mm-hmm. removed from his brain. So, I mean, we're talking yeah. about brain surgery and the guy's coming back. So welcome back, that's Gary impressive. Woodland, this week. And Eric Cole was on my short list because Eric Cole also finished last year PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, um, and ninety seven hundred dollars. He that's why that's what kind of shied me away from him. Again, that's the DK points or DK mm-hmm. price that uh, might not even come into effect. So I still might snag me some Eric Cole in a snake draft if I see him laying around. I like that yeah. call. Uh, last but certainly not least, 
I really, really let's go Akshay, you know, lock it back in. Remember what you did. And I'd love to see him in the winner's circle. And I'd like to see me in the winner's circle. And I'd like to see you outside of the winner's circle cheering me on inside the winner's circle. We can all dream, bud. That's what we do on this show. We dream, and you dream more than others. Uh, let's get to it. That's going to do it. Episode two. The season's just getting started. Stick around with us every Tuesday night at 8 o'clock here on the Fantasy Sports Corporation. We are Divots and Pivots. I'm Angela Duke. This is Bud Copeland. Join us every week. Stick around, too, after us right now. Scoreboard Addicts is following us right on uh, coming up next year on Fantasy Sports Corporation. If you like crazy new york sports fans and whiskey and everything else uh that you will will probably knock you off your chair for the the outrageous things they say that's the show for you i enjoy thoroughly enjoy watching them when we're done so scoreboard addicts right land the plane i am an expert pilot peace <laughs>